There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon. Today in the show, we're here for Rut Fresh Radio, in which we're getting updates from hunters all across the country on the latest deer activity, current conditions, and the tactics that can work for you right now. All right, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Onyx. We're here for the last regular episode of Rut Fresh Radio for 2020. That means today we're going to hear from hunters all across the country on what's happening out there in the woods, how weather's impacting things, how the time of year is impacting things, what types of tactics are are relevant and helpful at this time of the year. Um, and that's, you know, it's 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 a little bittersweet, Spencer, knowing that our weekly check-ins are coming to a close. But uh, it's been a good run this year, hasn't it? That's right. Yeah, this is this is the finale of season five, uh, and it still seems weird that we've been doing this for five years. It, it seems like the wrong number, but it's not. Uh, despite this being the last episode. What you're kind of going to hear today is probably relevant for the next month, and that's not like a thing that you can say for any other episode during the year. Uh, what you hear in mid-October isn't relevant in you know mid-November. What you hear at the end of September isn't relevant at the end of October, but I think what you're going to get out of this December 16th episode is going to be good for the rest of however long your season goes. If you have a season that goes till the end of January, what you're going to hear us talk about today is probably going to be relevant for these next six weeks. It's uh, it's the late season, man. And the late season is, is from here on out until, until seasons close, antlers drop, and we're right back into the new year. So, so you're absolutely right. It's uh, I, I hesitate to say it's simple. It's not simple. It can be a, it can be a challenging time of year, uh, but it can also be a great time of year if you have the right spots or the right situation. Um, and and I don't know. Do you want me to walk through? I mean, we, we've talked about this in the past. Uh, there's nothing terribly revolutionary about this time of the year, except for knowing you know how to react when certain conditions come through, and then locating places where you can take advantage of those conditions. Um, uh, do we cover some of that stuff with the guests, or should I run through some stuff? 
we cover some of that with the guest mark, but I've heard you say this on probably every season of Rut Fresh Radio that late season can be the great season. So remind us again, what does it take for this next month of hunting to make the late season the great season? I'm really good with that rhyming stuff, aren't I? <laughs> um, so, you know, what it is is that at this time of year, more so than any other, deer are um, concentrated in specific places. And they're very focused on mostly one thing, and that is the best possible food source because they're, you know, they've been running around like crazy over the course of the rut, and winter is coming. And so all deer within the population are trying to put on calories to make it through the upcoming tough months. So, you know, it makes to a degree, you know, figuring these deer out simple. If you find whatever it is they want to feed on right now, you've found the deer, and they'll be relatively patternable. Now, of course, this is more simple if you're trying to kill a doe versus a six-year-old buck. But even that mature buck, in certain places, if you've got a spot where he's not getting pressured and harangued all the time, even that deer might be more patternable at this time of year than any other, too. So, you know, step number one is simply trying to find that best food. And maybe you've got it on a property you can hunt. Or maybe you don't. If you don't have it on the property you can hunt, you need to figure out, well, where is that best food source on someone else's property? And then, you know, how are deer traveling through mine to get to that? You got to figure out how that influences deer movement where you can hunt. So maybe that means that, yeah, you don't have the food, but you do have the bedding. Or maybe you don't have either, but you've got the travel corridor between the two. You got to figure that part out. But step one of that map is the food. And you can figure that out by long distance observation. This is a great time of year to be glassing from afar. If you've got places to do that, um, you can also take advantage of snow at this time of year to really tell the story. Cause in the snow, you can very clearly see where deer have been traveling recently. You can very clearly see where deer have been feeding recently. Cause you can see the pot up snow, fresh dirt. Um, it's, it's spelled out much more obviously than, than almost any other time of the year. So snow helps a lot. Observation helps a lot. You can still run trail cameras to figure this stuff out just like you do at any other part of the year. Um, but all these things I would preface with the fact that you got to be more careful than at any other point of the year to not pressure these deer because they've been bumped around, they've been hunted, they've been harassed for months now. So they're going to be, you know, walking on pins and needles. So we too, as hunters, need to walk on pins and needles to not mess up what little bit of advantage we might have. Um, so for me, that means all of what I just described. I'm usually doing a lot of long-distance observation and running trail cameras, checking those every once in a while in the middle of the day when the wind's right, um, and using that to tell me you know, if the deer I'm after or if any deer I'm after are you know, still in the area. And if they're still in the area, then I'm going to wait until one of two things happen. And it's the same thing I would typically be talking about, you know, in early October, middle of October, which is ideally I'd like to either see or get a picture of that deer moving in daylight or have a big cold front coming through that will get that deer moving in daylight. So mega cold temperatures, right? At this time of year, if you get those single digit, I mean, it's all relative to where you live, I guess, but whatever extremely cold is for your area or some kind of significant snowfall, those two things usually get those deer on their feet and going more than any other time. So if you see that it's time to get after it, or if your scouting tells you to do so, go in there and make it happen. Um, 
And, you know, all the other details that we talk about throughout the year as far as stand placement, as far as entry and exit, all that still applies. So you got to play all your cards right. You got to know how to get in. You got to know the right place to sit in relation to where those deer are going to come out. But just remember that, you know, at other times of the year, you might be thinking about scrapes and rubs and funnels and, uh, you know, the October lull, quote unquote, or whatever. All that stuff's out the window now. Just just figure out the food and, and then figure out where you can hunt in relation to that. And that's going to get you started and in the right direction nine times out of ten. Um, yeah, you know, that's 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 it, Spencer. I mean, there's a bunch of other little nitty-gritty stuff depending on your situation. But that's if you've got that figured out and if you can find what that top thing is, you're in the game. Now, right now, for example, um, I'm hunting does in Michigan and i I don't have the main food source on the properties I'm hunting. So I've been kind of clinging to a hope that maybe I can catch a straggling doe family group just checking out one of these little you know, like third option, fourth option, very poor food sources that I still do have in my area. Um, but they're very obviously not doing that. So I'm kind of just clinging to the past. And, and I still was able to kill a deer tonight doing that. But instead of seeing what what should be 15, 20, 25 deer, uh, I saw four. And I know that's not the long-term solution. So I got away with it tonight, but I don't think I'm going to try that again. I realize now that, okay, if I want to get these deer, I don't have the best food source right now, but I know where that best food source is on some other properties, several properties away. And I can at least get in between them. So, you know, that's how I'm going to adjust. I saw tonight that this is not where they're at. I've got a really good hunch of where they will be. I'm going to make that adjustment next time I come out and hunt a transition. And uh, I think that'll get me right in the middle of the movement. Yeah. And ultimately, Mark, um, late season can be the easiest time or the hardest time to kill a mature buck. Just all depends how your property sets up. And I can think of some places that I hunt where it is by far the hardest time to kill a mature buck. Then there's other places where it is by far the easiest. Um, and it has to do with all those things that you just talked about. Now, if you get done with this podcast um, and you still want more information on late season hunting, I have three articles that should be on your reading list. One of them is from Mark. It's called Three Places to Find a Post-Rut Buck that he wrote in late November. And then two articles from Tony Peterson, How to Kill a Late Season Buck on Public Land, and Three Overlooked Deer Hunting Tactics for Late Season. These are all articles that you can find on TheMeatEater.com. If you go over there, navigate from hunt to whitetail or search in our search bar, and you'll find exactly what I'm talking about. Now, the people we talked to this week are Dan Moultrie from Moultrie in Texas, Josh Hilliard from the National Deer Association in Michigan. What? That's right. You're talking to Furter? Furter's first appearance on Rut Fresh Radio. Oh, man. All right. I love it. Hunter LeMasters from The Release in West Virginia, and then Garrett Armstrong from Whitetail Properties in Iowa. Well, guys, get ready. This is going to be a slam dunk podcast. We got... We got further, and actually, I'm I'm planning on talking with him at the very end of the year for an end of the year wrap up chat too. So you're gonna get a preview of Josh tonight, and then you're gonna get uh, a full blown Jay Hilliard. Uh, I don't know what I don't know what you call it, but or something. <laughs> so you, you you get five minutes today, and then you get like sixty minutes at the end of the month. Uh, so this is a, a good little appetizer for more further. Uh, what what more could people want at the end of the year? We're giving them everything 
we couldn't have in 2020. <laughs> we will give it to you now in the end to send the year out on the right note. <laughs> That's right. All the podcast downloads coming our way. Oh, man. It's going to be killer. <laughs> All right, dude. All right, Mark. Well, I will talk to you in 2021 for our Red Fresh Radio wrap-up episode. Until then, good luck with what's every left of your season. Same to you, buddy. All right, and joining us on the line next is Dan Moultrie from Moultrie in Texas. Now, Dan, in Texas, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? The the buck activity is really pretty good. The bucks are coming to horns, and the rut is on. But all South Texas is in sort of a drought right now, and and the ranches where we hunt were in extreme drought. And so I think the does are in poor body condition and so i would give it a scale of six because it's sort of a trickling rut instead of all intense at one time so let's go with six on that special so what phase of the rut would you say different parts of texas are in right now it's it it it's the in south texas the rut is on from the golden triangle down i mean it's prime time right now but again with the with water being so imperative to the size of the horns and the quality of the deer and the quality of the reproduction of the does it has uh slowed the does activity you don't see them all coming in you still see a lot of does with their yearlings with them and that haven't come in but the bucks are ready to rut you know we probably had as good a year as, as you could have we killed uh eight bucks uh and and like i say they were coming to horns also but we averaged about 160 on free-range deer which is just you know as good as it gets and you never would have done that if the rut hadn't been on so a little bit a little bit of weather conditions but that's really typical of south texas more so than almost anywhere else in the united states uh you know everything is conditional upon how much rain you get down here so with that area being in a drought, do water sources factor into your setups at all? Absolutely, and especially on uh, bow hunting, uh, uh, the, the the water holes really, they may not come to a feeder, they may not come to corn on the road, they may not come to whatever food source they've been on, but they're going to come to that water hole sometime during the day or the night, and most of them were not nocturnal uh most you know we saw all activity during the day so yes if somebody was going to do a setup it's a great time to have a setup on a on a water hole or as they call them out here tanks where the windmills are you mentioned that you were doing some rattling this week what does a typical calling sequence look like for you during peak rut in texas the the most you know they've always been good the the buck to doe ratio down here is so good on the big ranches, it's always been really close to one-to-one. And so you, you always get very good response off horns. Uh, we started about two weeks. We've been down here three weeks, and we started about two weeks ago rattling pre-rut, and they came to horns. I don't think we did a sequence that we didn't see deer come in. And down here, it's different than a lot of places in the U.S. You don't have just one deer come in. You may have you know, the the last sequence we did the other day, we had three bucks come in and they start making sort of circles around you and you can tell the bucks are in la-la land, but, uh, you know, they they don't believe they're lying. I was not seeing the, the deer once the rattling because they're so intent on coming into the to the fight. So really, this is the, the best rattling place, I think, in the U.S. 
because of the uh, good buck to doe ratio, but they, they really were coming to the horns well. Do you see midday movement in Texas like you do the rest of the country during peak rut? Yes, we saw it. Yes, absolutely you do. And again, it got up in the, it was 85, 86, and then it'll go down and the highs for the day will be in the 70s. But it's rare that we get below that down here during midday. But even when the, the temperature was up, we were still seeing activity of, of bucks pushing does during the middle of the day. And it's right now when we just left the ranch, it's you, you still were seeing you know that going on. I think it's going to trickle out where usually it's it's around the 10th is the peak and it start 10th to the 15th, something like that down here. I think you'll see it trickle on for this month. And then the uh, second run will come in for anything that didn't get bred. And uh, I think it'll be fine, but it just, again, just the, the dry weather conditions. In mid December in Texas, where do you want to be running most of your trail cameras right now? We, if I think, because a lot of the deer and they're they're all hungry also so this would be more than trails or more than scrapes or more than some of the other places people put them crossings or whatnot if i was running my trail cameras right now there's two places i'd have them i'd have them on the feed source and i'd have them on the water source if you had your your feeders and your water sources cameras on them you're going to catch you know all the deer at some point you're going to have you're going to have a great inventory of what you got there and what you what you have available to hunt going forward then in this next week or so what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in texas i think it'll continue to be the six down here in south texas because of the 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 drought weather conditions i think that it will will be intense up to that six but again being defined by the shape that the does are in and the harsh weather conditions all right dan well congrats on the great bucks from you and your buddies down there thanks for joining me good luck with what's left of your season that'll be great thanks for calling wish everybody good luck and have a happy holiday all right and joining us on the line next is josh hilliard from the national deer association in michigan now josh in michigan what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to ten yeah hey spencer thanks for having me um, I would say buck activity here in Michigan has uh, been very low, like a, maybe like a, a two, maybe a three, um, you know, lower on my end. And, and I've seen some people have been having some success, but we're just wrapping up uh, about a month worth of gun season here in, in Michigan. Um, and in the zone where I'm at, you, you've been able to use uh, any type of legal firearm for about a month now just a couple of days of break between our general firearms season and then uh, what has traditionally been a muzzleloader season that has been opened up to additional weapons this year. So there's been a lot more pressure these last couple of weeks um, than what I've traditionally seen during muzzleloader season. Um, so I think it's just a byproduct of, of a lot more pressure on, on these uh, deer and, and more hunters in the woods right now. I, I haven't seen a buck in my last a few hunts primarily on public land um but yeah it's been it's been tough hunting here the last couple of weeks do you typically expect to only see nocturnal movement then for the rest of the season in michigan yeah you know i think we'll, we'll see some some daylight movement if we can get some cold weather here some snow um it, it's been a little bit warmer than what i would expect and it's been like in the 40s here high 30s we're, we're going to be consistently low to mid 30s here the next uh week or so and then looks like maybe by christmas we're supposed to get a nice little drop in temperature so 
hopefully that will get some some bucks back on their feet and moving uh, in daylight hours, uh, trying to, you know, hit some food sources again, try to put some of that body weight back on um, leading into the into the winter here. Supposed to get a couple inches of snow today, but not looking like we're going to get that. So I, I'd love to see a, a few inches of snow on the ground and, and some cold weather moving in, but um, it doesn't look like that's going to be happening here in the next week or so. I know you just canoed into a public parcel this last weekend. If you're doing some in-season scouting in Michigan, what kinds of things are you looking for in mid-December? Yeah, I mean, if there's if you can find any spots with any with any uh, oak trees or acorns on the ground still, um, you know, back into some difficult to access spots, I think that's key right now, especially if you're hunting public in a in a state like Michigan where it's heavily pressured, you know, we were able to, to use a boat and to get into some, some marshy areas that, um, you know, I don't think get hit too hard. Um, but there's definitely still hunter sign back in there. So people are still getting there. If you can, I'm looking for areas that maybe have some food or maybe have some good thick bedding cover with some, uh, you know, oaks or something on a ridge or something where where it's difficult to access for, for your, you know, kind of everyday guy that, that that's what I'm looking for right now just trying to get away from from the crowds if I can besides acorns what other food sources should hunters be focused on right now yeah I mean if you if you've got access to you know any ag fields or anything around if you can find some some standing beans or um, you know a cut cornfield that hasn't been just under yet or anything like that any anything like that would be would be great in, a, in an ideal scenario um, you know, if there's any sort of green forage on the ground still um, that they're that they're chomping on, and you know, that that's always a a positive too. But um, you know, hopefully you've got somewhere you can get that. At least maybe it's even if it's on public, maybe it maybe it butts up to some some private ag fields or 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 whatnot. But um, that would be you know ideal scenario would have some standing beans or something like that. But they're keying in on. Where are you running a lot of your trail cameras in mid December? Yeah, I, I've got a little 40 acres that I that I hunt. Um, I actually haven't hunted it much since I, I killed a buck on it back in mid-November. I've kind of stayed out of there. Um, I don't have any, like, great food sources on that property, um, but what I've got is really good bedding cover, especially, like, thermal bedding cover. Um, so I've this is my second year on that piece, and I've ran some uh, cameras on that place around um, that, that bedding cover. Um, I seem to I seem to hold a lot more deer on that property late in the season. It's right in the little um, creek bottom, and it comes up this little hill into the like about eight or ten acres of of conifers and pines and just great bedding cover. So I, I've been kind of monitoring the the edges of that um, in the late season, just kind of seeing if I've got any you know any bucks kind of that have moved into the area um, or maybe have been displaced through through gun season. They're looking to to get away a little bit. I, I try to keep the pressure low on that place, so. Um, been checking cameras to see if I have any new bucks showing up here in the late season. I, I haven't yet, but um, I had a couple new ones show up last year. So we'll see if uh, if anything shows up and might try to make a couple more uh, calculated strikes down there with with my bow here in the late season. Going forward, then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in Michigan? Yeah, I I hope it, it starts to tick back up a little bit. And I, I could see it maybe get into like a four or five. Um, you know, especially in the, later towards the next week, um, with some of those temperatures coming down, hopefully less pressure in the woods with the gun seasons wrapping up, and and I think less people are out in the woods with their bow this time of year. 
Um, so hopefully a little less pressure, a little colder weather, maybe some snow here in the forecast in the next week or so, we'll, we'll get those bucks starting to, starting to be a little bit more daylight active. All right, Josh, I like your optimism. Good luck with what's left of your season, and thanks for joining me. All right, and joining us on the line next is Hunter LeMasters from The Release in West Virginia. Now, Hunter, in West Virginia, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, lately, uh, within the last week and up to now, I'd say it's right around a 7. Um, that's so because uh, where I'm hunting right now, one of the spots is actually a lot, a lot, big population, a lot of does. And the second rut, I've noticed a lot of chasing. And uh, so that's been why I'm giving it a seven. And then I've talked to a lot of other people around here, and they've been seeing a lot of chasing as well, as well as fresh scrapes and a lot of daytime movement. Now, you just recently killed a great buck in West Virginia. Tell us about that setup, why you were there, and why that buck was there. I killed this buck on Saturday the 12th. And I worked uh, nights last week coming up into that. And um, after a night, I went out scouting all day long. Went over to some public land that I run a bunch of trail cameras on and was moving stuff around. And then I got back to where I was wanting to hunt that evening, which is where I was wanting to focus the next few days. But instead of hunting, I decided to just go in and scout and see how the deer were using the property and coming out into the fields because I had a camera, cell camera on this food plot over this field where I hunt. And uh, there was, recently there was a lot of activity in the evenings and a lot during nighttime and a lot of bucks were moving. So I wanted to see how they were using that and how they were getting into that field. Right at dark, I had an 11 point come into the field. So I saw where the buck was coming into the field. And the next morning, I got up on the ridge and uh, I caught a couple bucks coming back to bed and some does, but nothing I was really wanting to shoot. But I was really focusing on that next evening. And then that evening, I got back in there. Uh, I had the same wind as the night before. Um, it was a little cooler, it was raining, but I knew I had to be in there because I'd seen that action the last few days. So I got in. Um, couple little bucks come out and then right before dark i saw the buck that i had shot pushing two does and he pushed him right to me right underneath me and i was able to get a shot on him it sounds like food was the key to that hunt what food sources should hunters in west virginia be focused on right now i think right now with um how the weather's changing and bucks are just depending on the area too like where i'm at you know, you just second rut. A lot of does weren't bred. They'll come back in. So I think hunters in West Virginia, they should focus on areas with uh, more population. And, you know, get out to trail cameras and see where they're moving, but try to focus in on where the does are at. Because where the does are at, the bucks will be right now. And they were, in this case, the uh, they were all coming to that food plot. There's a big field, and then one section of it's a little bit of food plot where we had a, a farmer come in and plant some alfalfa, different clovers and grasses, and they've been hammering that lately. So that's why I was in there. I got in between that and the bedding area, trying to get them staging down from bedding to that field, and that's how they were to do that. And I think that's how what people in West Virginia should be focusing on, just where the where they're feeding, um, try to get in, catch them as they're coming in and going out of that. Do you notice a shift in bedding in mid-December in West Virginia? It depends on where you're hunting again, like, where this spot where I've been hunting throughout the year, it has changed lately. They've been actually bedding closer to the food source, just getting around the food sources and hunting the wind correctly. And you get a good luck at being successful. What's the ideal weather that you're looking for this time of year in that part of the country? Uh, big weather shifts. Like right now, um, within the last week, it's dropped 
20 degrees. I think it was like 60 the first day I scouted. Now it heck is uh, snowing in the 30s, a 30-degree change. And uh, today I've noticed a lot more action on my cell cameras. Deer are moving around, bucks are moving around. So just that change in weather, good pressure. This week, this past week and this coming week, it's looking like it's going to be a great time to hunt. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in West Virginia? Uh, I think it'll I think it'll be up around a nine. Uh, the next couple of days, the pressure's looking good. The weather's dropping. The snow, um, deer are going to keep moving. And I had that second rut activity going on. I think the next few days is going to ramp up even more. And some of the friends and uh, cousins I've been talking to, it seems like they're having the same action that I've seen. So I think the next few days here in West Virginia is a great time to be out in the woods. All right, Hunter. Congrats on the great buck. Good luck with the rest of your season, and thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, and joining us on the line next is Garrett Armstrong from Whitetail Properties in Iowa. Now, Garrett, in Iowa, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? On a scale of 1 to 10, I would say the buck activity has been about a a 4.5. And the reason I say that, it would be better. However, we're in the middle of our second shotgun season. And in my area, there's just been a lot of pressure. A uh, lot of lot of driven hunts, a lot of guys out, and that's really suppressed the natural daytime movement. However, we did uh, experience we've got about four to five inches of snow on the ground that we've had for about four or five days. And with the colder temperatures, the movement has been good on some food sources. So it kind of, it's somewhat balancing out that, that human pressure. So on farms that aren't getting a ton of pressure, I am seeing good buck movement right now. What are some of those food sources that are relevant for hunters right now in Iowa? I mean, right now it, it's going to be your grains. Um, pick corn fields have been really hot. If you've got some standing beans with the snow, been seeing good movement there. And they're just starting to hit kind of my brassica turnip plots. So I would assume that uh, everybody's plots are in the same position, just starting to kind of hit those pretty hard but really grains corn and beans still going to be the primary food source right now whether it be from late season weather or gun season do you notice a shift in bedding in mid-december in iowa you know what i i am i'm seeing uh some of our kind of traditional you know bedding areas ridge tops and some north facing slopes that would have bedding you know during during the rut now everything's really shifting to the, the super thick cover and anything south-facing. Again, we're you know mid-20s to low-30s during the day and, and single digits overnight. So we're, we're definitely seeing south-facing slopes kind of hold, uh, hold more deer at this point. Where are you running your trail cameras right now? My cameras are 100% on food sources. In fact, actually today I'm, I'm moving a couple cameras around that I've had set up since November. Um, again, kind of getting ready to, to be prepared for, for late muzzleloader season. Um, everything's going to food sources, uh, edges of cover, and just kind of transitions from bedding to food, just trying to get a handle on what's made it through shotgun and what's going to be around late season this year. Do you do any setups in the morning this time of year? You know, I personally don't. Um, I'm a I'm a afternoon hunter only this time of year. I guess if I had some some intel from the cameras, that would give me a reason uh, and some motivation to hunt morning. I, I might try it, but that'd be a pretty rare scenario. So for me, it's really just slipping in, you know, quiet afternoon on some food, 
seeing what's hitting the food and then getting out. So I'm, uh, I'm not getting really aggressive this time of year. I'm hunting edges only. And again, that's the benefit with a muzzleloader is, you know, I've got a little bit of distance and reach as opposed to, you know, archery equipment. So I'm just hunting the edges of food and trying not to disturb my properties as much as possible. Historically, do you notice any kind of a secondary rut in your part of Iowa? You know what? I have seen a little bit of it. And uh, a good friend of mine and client of mine hunted first shotgun, which was, you know, December 6th, 7th, 8th. He was out that first weekend and he actually did experience some running activity. Um, He had bucks bumping does around, kind of checking and seeking. So, uh, yeah, we we do see a bit of a secondary rut, but again, it's going to be you know suppressed and and at a much lower rate than what we'd see in November. Has sign making pretty much gone cold for you? Uh, it has. I, I haven't seen any open scrapes uh, at all. And, and again, I say that because I really haven't been spending a ton of time inside these properties, just trying to keep pressure off. But some of the kind of community scrapes and bigger scrape areas on the edges of food sources have. Uh, you know, 100% gone dead for me. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity will be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Iowa? If I had to make a prediction, if this weather stays the way it is, uh, I, I think it's going to increase a little bit on food. So I'm going to give it I'm going to give it a 6 on food. We still have some relatively mild temperatures, and I don't think we're going to have the weather to, to really get those big bucks on their feet moving early and, and on food in daylight. Uh, I think we're still maybe a couple weeks away from that. So so I'd say next week we're going to be, you know, five and a half to six on buck movement. All right, Garrett, I hope you get the weather you're looking for. Good luck with what's left of your season, and thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks so much. And that concludes this week's episode of Rut Fresh Radio, and that concludes season five of Rut Fresh Radio. Thanks to Dan, Josh, Hunter, and Garrett for joining me, and thanks to all of our contributors for the 2020 season of Rut Fresh Radio. And thank you guys, most of all, for listening. Mark and I will be back for an extra Rut Fresh Radio at the beginning of January for a recap of the 2020 season. And after that, I'll be back in September for Season 6 of the podcast. If you want to follow along with what I'll be doing for the next nine months, go follow me on Instagram at Spencer Newharth and subscribe to our newsletters at TheMeatEater.com. I will talk to you in 2021, and until then, stay wired to hunt. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.